podcast one day uh, later this week because we just, I don't know, we, we felt like there was something bigger to discuss this week for the podcast. Um, so subconsciously, we pushed it back one day. And we will talk about that at the end of the podcast uh, rather than the beginning. Yes. So we have uh, some NASA news that go off first, and then we have two commercial space stations to talk about um, from, from companies we don't actually talk a lot about uh, on the podcast. So it's super exciting and then uh, a really awesome, exciting topic at the end as well. So let's get right. You're talking about the, the exciting topic is Lightyear, right? Oh, well, totally. Yes. I have so many conspiracy yes. theories, but we're going to I cannot wait. Good. So, but I can't uh, wait to talk about it. <laughs> Beginning off with some NASA news, uh, having earlier uh, uh, towards just after we did the podcast last week, uh, NASA is looking at uh, expanding their capabilities with launching crew to orbit. So they're uh, looking to pick up uh, possibly some more um, providers. Right now, they have SpaceX and Boeing. SpaceX, of course, being the uh, more uh, successful one, I guess, one at it, um, uh, with already launching. Successful, uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, launching all. You know, they've launched their their demo crewed mission as well as uh, they're coming up on their third uh, operational crewed mission this weekend, and then they've done Inspiration Four, Axiom One's come up next year. So they've been doing the Dragon Crew Dragon and SpaceX have been have been doing pretty well. Boeing, um, we're looking at I think uh, somewhere sometime in the first half of next year for the next uncrewed orbital test flight. So it's it's awkward because they're not going to launch their first operational mission until. After SpaceX is done with their operation, the last operational mission, I believe, they have Crew Three this fall, Crew Four next spring, Crew Five next fall, and then Crew Six next spring. I don't think we're going to see a crewed flight test and before Crew Six. So, yeah, but NASA's looking at some new ones. Uh, we don't know if SpaceX and Boeing have to reapply um, for this contract. I assume so in some way, um, or they might just be grandfathered in that they'll be offered more seats or more, more rides. The difference for this proposal than we've seen in commercial crew is that they don't need to buy the entire flight. So right now NASA purchases, purchases all four seats on Boeing Starliner and SpaceX Dragon. But for this proposal or this contract, they wouldn't need to purchase all four seats. They can buy only one seat or more. This is actually pretty smart because there are commercial opportunities to fill those seats, like with Axiom. Um, or uh, I can't remember the name of the company that handles commercial flights uh, with the Soyuz. Um, but they could do that uh, and actually save some money um, and, and do not necessarily full crew rotations or something like that. Uh for who's going to submit to this, I, we don't know. I don't think we're going to know for a while um, who, who submitted or if anyone was selected. It might be like a, a few weeks or maybe several months if anyone gets it. So thank you. I think it's Space Adventures. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thank you, Zach, for messaging that to me. Um, so SpaceX and Boeing, if they need to, if they need to repl- uh, submit, resubmit for this, obvious they want to keep getting money from NASA. Now... Some interesting ones, the ret- uh, returning ones from the original commercial crew, I could definitely see submitting a proposal for this, would probably be Blue Origin, Sierra Space, and Lockheed Martin. Uh, Blue Origin, all three of those actually all submitted crew capsules for... Um, I see one of those companies being successful. Uh, Sierra Space? I could totally see that. I, I totally see... I, I mean, How'd you know? <laughs> well, I can also see a Lockheed Martin. Yeah, I, I, I see. 
because they have Orion and they have. I, I definitely see. Orion. I see all of them trying to pitch something. I just I think Sierra Space actually has a chance here. Like it, I think I think they all have done a, good a lot chance. of work so far. I think the one who has, I think that the least amount of chance is probably Blue Origin. Um, just yeah, because I, I another program for them to, to take on themselves. I mean, the fact that they you know it was just how much more they have done and a whole new batch of lawsuits for them to take on for themselves. I don't know their lawyers can handle it. Like, <laughs> no, I, I honestly think like I don't. I, Blue Origin might actually be a stretch for getting it, but I mean they did put up a their crew capsule. You know, put up a good fight. Um, but not really. Uh, they, they were kind of far off, I think, on the, the management side, which I think they still are. So now the fourth option for additions is definitely not something I think anyone's talked about. But I, I actually think they could submit a proposal. It would make sense for them to at least throw the hat in the ring, which would be Rocket Lab. So Rocket Lab is, of course, developing their Neutron rocket. In the announcement, they've mentioned that it's going to be crew capable. Um, they've mentioned it um, this CEO Peter Beck has mentioned it a few other times since then that they're still doing that. We don't know exactly details on are they actually developing a crew capsule at the moment or are they just saying that it could for PR wise? Who knows? Um, but if they're serious about launching crew, this would be the way to get into it because they don't nec- they wouldn't have to launch, you know, have a four seat crew capsule. They could have a two seat crew capsule. They could have you know, a three seat crew capsule possibly with this and still probably get some money for it. So, uh, any thoughts on, on that? Derek? It's definitely, it would definitely be interesting. I, I think that'd be cool to, it'd be, I don't want to say a new player because they have established themselves with electron, but definitely more of the new space coming in. And I think that's good. Uh, getting more unique proposals, new rockets, more, more capabilities is always good. And especially since Rocket Lab is willing to pursue reusability, they're, of course, working on that with Electron now with their pretty cool catching of a booster from a heli- with a helicopter. Like, I think that's pretty cool. And so I definitely look forward to reusability and seeing more reusability in space. So I, I'm totally in favor of Rocket Lab submitting. I think it'd be cool. Even if they don't end up winning the contract, I'd love to see more from them. Because, I mean, I can't see any launches from the U.S. yet. I want to see that happen. I want to see multiple rockets. I'd, I want to see them succeed. Yeah, that would be um, an interesting... So they would be launching from Mars, the uh, Mid-Atlantic Regional Spaceport, uh, which is near Wall- uh, Wallops Flight Facility. So... Um, on Rollups Island. So that would be the first crewed launches, I believe, uh, from there. Um, they would also have a f- different trajectory because they follow it from going, you know, from north to south pretty much rather than going from south to north when the ISS passes over. So that that would be a This is also change. a totally wild speculation right now. Oh, this is so totally to wild clear, speculation. It would be cool, <laughs> but this is very, very much total speculation. Yeah, Thanks. so it would be cool to it would be cool to see them you know, throw the hat in the ring and see what they could create. We'd get more details on that crew capsule capability that they have uh, touted that they have. So with Neutron. Uh, next up, speaking of Lockheed Martin with their Orion, it is now officially on the SLS. We have a moon rocket in, in the VAB, which is something we I didn't think I would be saying in 2021. I thought I'd say it in 2022. Uh, 2020, sorry, 2020. But it ended up only barely happening in 2021, which is cool. 
Uh, Wait, not got- twenty, not twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. <laughs> uh, all all joking aside about SLS's delays. I mean, it, it's the fact that we're at this point is great. Uh, getting this Artemis program finally off the ground, um, launch wise, uh, with the Orion and SLS it, is a pretty big deal. We got some uh, information on the coming up launch dates. Uh, we actually have a long yeah. date and time for this, which is February 12th. The first opening for it, at least, is on February 12th at 5.56 p.m. That's not happening. I don't like, With the delay, with how, how uh, this has gone so far, I, I, very low chance that's going to happen. But that first window uh, for launch goes till February 26th, and then they have two windows uh, for launching their... Uh, I think they're two weeks each or three weeks each, probably something like that. I think they are um, for March and April. Um, March is the same day as March 12th, the 26th, but April's a little bit sooner. It's April 8th to the 23rd. Uh, they're the first half of each of those windows. They call them long missions. So they'll go for, I believe it's six weeks. And then the second half is three weeks. And they don't actually, and uh, they say they don't have a preference between the two. They just want to get the mission done. But uh, we fully stacked SLS launch dates. This is like a weirdly nice week for SLS. Yeah, it's been really good to see actual official information from NASA. More more solid dates for them to work for. It, it's really nice to see this much progress happening because there's been stuff happening all the time it just hasn't necessarily been widely advertised or so widely discussed and so it's it's stacked it's happening and i can't wait to see it launch yeah they're looking at a possible rollout and by the end of this year from the vab to 39b and then they're looking to do a wet dress rehearsal on the launch pad uh, i think down to either it was either it was either 10 minutes or 10 seconds um i i missed he said it real quick and I couldn't, I missed it and didn't go back to double check. But um, uh, in the countdown uh, with full feeling of the rockets, um, of course, the SOB is already filled. So just the, the liquid um, fuel that goes in the first and second stage. And then um, that should be sometime in January. Although they, there, um, there is a lot they say they have to do still for that to happen. Um, so whether it starts, it's, whether it's in the beginning of January, middle of January, end of January, we don't know. Could be any of those. Um, I would bet probably tr- uh, closer to mid to end January for that to happen, which would probably leave February out of out of the contention for a uh, for a launch. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to see SLS activity, real SLS activity, not animated um, videos from the from the agency of it rolling out, actual footage of it rolling out, which is cool. So the next thing on our list is... Well, you know what else cool- is cool? Oh, what? Commercial space stations. <laughs> yeah. Like there are some, some two, uh, a few companies we don't talk about a lot, uh, which is uh, Sierra Space and Nanoracks. They're both leading um, the charge for two different commercial space stations. First up is Nanoracks. They have Starlab. Do you want to talk about Starlab? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not too familiar with it uh but they announced that uh i mean almost a week ago at this point and so they're aiming to make quote the first uh commercial space station it'll serve as uh an orbital research lab and they hope to have it operational 2027 
So it's a partnership uh, with uh, Lockheed Martin and Voyager Space. And so it's a pretty unique looking space station, I'd say. It definitely doesn't... It's... I mean, how do I? How do you describe the shape? It's so it's it. It kind of looks. It's a relatively smaller station, I believe. Uh, I don't know the exact the exact numbers for it. Just based off the. It ranks. definitely looks smaller. It definitely looks smaller. Um, I would say it, it's kind of like a. Uh, you take like a single single module from the ISS and then put on a what what. Um, Bigelow was kind of touting as one of their uh, their their really big expandable modules, on the end. So I think it looks like maybe volume might be similar to the ISS or it might be close to the ISS because of how, depending on how big that expandable um, module is. Uh, but it's definitely going to be a little bit smaller. Uh, it's definitely tailored towards commercial. Uh, there was a, a NASA did talk about having you know, commercial uh, space stations as the next step for ISS. And after ISS retires, I mean, and... It uh, you have axioms, of course, already um, in development and, and being uh, futurely attached onto the Americans, uh, the, the international side, sorry, of the space station. So this one's gonna be a little bit smaller, free floating from the start. It, it's cool, like it's it's it, it's uh, it's it's definitely a different option than to have. It's gonna prop. It's definitely the next step for below Earth orbit. You know, people want to do research on there in, in is in um on the ISS. Uh, they want to do more of it in low Earth orbit. So having a second option um, out there by the uh, end of the decade would be cool. Another one coming up on the end of the decade hey, is what about a third option? What, <laughs> because Sierra Space, yeah, Sierra Space Blue Origin, uh, Boeing Redwire. It's a huge project that's being led by. Uh, Blue Origin and Sierra Space, uh, the Orbital Reef Station. And so that's making use of a massive partnership. It'll make use of Sierra Space's Dream Chaser. It'll make use of New Glenn. Um, It's going to have Sierra Space's big inflatable modules. It's going to be a very large station and... It it looks real interesting. What what do you think, Seth? This one uh, this one's uh, pretty cool as well. Uh, it's definitely larger than um, than Nanorax's uh, proposal. It is it's described as a uh, what blue. Uh, they describe as a mixed use business park. Practically, um, they meaning that it's going to be for, for both uh, on orbit research as well as um, for tourism uh, to go out there. It's definitely something um, big on the Blue Origin side that have tourism involved with it. Blue Origin is leading the uh, development of their pretty much the core module and the util- they call it utility systems. Um, it might be software, it might be whatever that you, you know utility items, whatever that means. Um, for that, they also will be using um, that company's New Glenn rocket to launch the sta- uh, space station modules. For anyone concerned about New Glenn being canceled because they can't get it off, that obviously smashes that any of the sort of that type of rumor because it's they need it for this project now. So that's that's their um, contribution. Sierra's uh, contributing their life habitat, which came out a little bit ago. Um, uh, so that's their planned uh, uh, kind of space station module that they've been developing. So they're going to be contributing that that um, that as well as any knowledge that they've learned developing that, uh, and then as well as there's of course their uh, their space plane uh, dream chaser for cargo and crew. 
Boeing, um, another partner, they're also doing commercial crew with their Starliner, um, which is interesting because so they they use the international docking adapter um, mechanism for docking to uh, the ISS, which would probably mean they're going to be using that on this station as well. So theoretically, SpaceX's Crew Dragon could fly to this station, which they'll probably never allow. But <laughs> it would be funny if, yeah, no, Blue Origin just shut that down as soon as possible. But uh, uh, Boeing brings a lot of experience working with the ISS, um, and they're going to be doing, um, helping with some uh, running, uh, I think they're they're running the whole operations pretty much for the station. So uh, just it seems like that's going to be like logistics and stuff like that. To the last two companies we have not talked at all yeah. on the podcast is Redwire Space and Genesis Engineering. Uh, Redwire is working some more, uh, they call it deployable structures uh, that they're going to be working. That sounds to me like solar panels, probably radi- uh, radiators, stuff like that. And then they're going to be helping out with research development and manufacturing up there. The final thing, which is the coolest one, in my opinion, is uh, the Genesis Engineering's uh, single-person spacesuit or spacecraft. And if you are big into space history, especially in the Werner von Braun era of all of his wacky ideas that he has come up with over the uh, while he was uh, uh, working at NASA or post NASA, pre NASA, all that stuff, um, he designed he designed this suit called a bo- uh, bottle suit, and you is the big, huge space station ring space station that was his design. Was going to use this suit. It's going to have all these had all these arms on it for uh, building and, and the station. And it's, it's kind of like the modern version of that. It looks more like a coffin with some arms, um, but I'm sure it will work. It's in replacement of using an actual like EVA suit like we see nowadays. So it's a very interesting concept from them. Um, they have a lot of experience with developing spacecraft. They've never developed a human spacecraft. They've, they've worked on the James Webb and Roman space telescopes. Um, they've had other things, other types of spacecraft or their their equipment that they've built has gone to space. So they're pretty knowledgeable. Uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting thing to see. Yeah. I just, I can't wait the seeing how many companies are now really putting in the effort to make not just, uh, more space flight, more human space flight happen, but spreading it to human tourism in orbit. Like, I think it's really cool to see it happening. Just, and I mean, for two stations to be announced in one week, I think that that says it all that we're uh, sort of a, a very different era of space. Yeah, it, the commercial market has definitely matured um, a lot in the past few years that even saying that this was going to happen three years ago. I mean, maybe the most knowledgeable people of us have said this, but um it would be crazy to say like, yeah, we're going to have three companies, you know, trying to build space, you know, commercial space stations and starships launching from South Texas. And, you know, like it worked, we have a, you know, SpaceX has built four total is building four in total, uh, dragons, maybe a fifth one because they have such a big demand for private, you know, uh, crewed missions. So like it's, uh, <laughs> the, the market and the, 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 the industry has really matured and, and, we're looking at a really bright future for, for commercial space, especially in low Earth orbit for commercialization. Now, speaking of a human going to space, you, you know what Hell other a train, human a is going to space? 
Buzz, buzz, how about Buzz, buzz Lightyear? Uh, so th- before we get into this, we will get into the SpaceX news right after this. But I know I want to talk about Lightyear. I know Seth wants to talk about Lightyear. It, I hope everyone listening to this has seen the short video that came out from Pixar about Lightyear. It's uh, coming out June 17th of next year. And it's going to basically, it looks like it's going to be the real human Buzz so Lightyear that the toys are based off of. Here's here is the dilemma you di- with this movie. Do you disagree, movie. Seth? Okay, here's the movie with this with dilemma. I uh, I read a great article about Polygon, which was basically just a copy and paste of their like internal DMs of a debate between this movie. Hilariously, the read like I suggest everyone go read it. Hundred percent, it is so funny. But is this because Disney announces as the original Buzz Lightyear? So what does original Buzz Lightyear mean? Does it mean? All right, don't hear me out. Does this mean? That this is based off of the fictional character in the Toy Story universe that Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story um, is based off of, or is this is the Toy Story uni- universe based off of? Uh, in, is it a futuristic civilization where they have Star Command and Buzz Lightyear is a real person who actually goes out and saves people in the world and actually fights Emperor Zurg in real life, or? This is my personal favorite. Is this the dream of Buzz Lightyear, the toy? This is what they all think they are before they get put in their packaging. I hate that the dream thing. I'm sorry. That's just sad to me. It is so sad. It's like, that makes it so sad. I want this to be the real, real human Buzz Lightyear. Now, I'm personally a fan of Super Carlin Brothers. They released a video on this like 10 months ago about what this movie could be about, but getting some video from it i am very excited to see what this becomes it is the best movie based off a toy ever i would say that definitely the best movie best movie based off a toy and it has it has a uh, has a uh, starman from uh so you can't you can't uh, hate that song so in the trailer so it's it's well Maybe we can say it's the best movie after we've seen the movie. I, I'm it's the best I'm looking hopeful, trailer. But I'm not movie. gonna. How about that? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I could. No, I think it's easy to say it's gonna be the best lo- best looking movie of a toy so far, at least. How many other movies are based off a toy? Toy not Story, much. Toy Story One, or Toy yeah, Story these Two. These look so much better three, than Toy Story. The TV show. I had to I had to cut myself off mid article writing to like stop. With All right, Seth, I, I think that we should move on to the SpaceX news now. I think you're gonna anger some anger okay. some people if they hear you talk bad about Toy Story. <laughs> so for the top of the story, story, it's great. Watch the trailer, read the Polygon article, read our article. It's great. All right, moving forward, Starship uh, had some uh, pretty big week. We've been waiting for these public hearings to come around uh, for a while now. We're not going to talk too much into these uh, public hearings. We held a, uh, we hosted a, a Twitter space uh, on last Sunday, and we talked pretty much almost the entire uh, space about these items. Uh, we kind of gave our opinions on it, uh, talked about um, just kind of like, you know, how it happened. So if you guys uh, you know don't want to miss that stuff, make sure you follow us on Twitter, um, and you get those space uh, those notifications for when we do those spaces. So, but the kind of the main takeaway is that um, this is kind of the issue you get when you have someone who has a lot of followers go tell their fans to spam the FAA with positive news. Um, there was a lot of 
uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk fan, you know, fandom um, kind of filled throughout the hearings uh, that weren't really um, were more counterproductive to the whole process than uh, than you know helping the process move move smoothly. And there was also a lot. Yeah. So the, of- the issue isn't them being fans of SpaceX. That's okay to have to give feedback. Being a fan of SpaceX, totally. Uh, yeah. It's just like trying to keep it productive and making sure that it's useful and when it's like if you're just joining to tout your love of spacex without anything substantial there it's not necessarily the best use of that time and it could perhaps cut out the voices of others who have personal stories and really important things to say there yeah that that was a big thing because there was a we didn't they never made it to fitting every finishing everyone there was well over a hundred people um, i don't know the number for how many people get made it into the second session, but I know they had to cut a lot of people off, uh, but it was only around 60 people out of over hundreds of people that probably wanted to make comments in the first session. So there were a lot of valid points for complaints. Um, a lot of people just looking to have a new impact statement done. Um, that's all they wanted, which just gives a new impact statement. Um, a lot of people were very upset with SpaceX. Some people, and then there were a lot of, but there was a lot of people who just gave us some very great heartfelt, pro spacex um opinions which i think were really appreciated so uh, that's all we'll talk about for that um read our article about it um, which goes a little more detail (laughs) about some more specific things on it so while this all took place i think it was about the the same day actually the second hearing or it might have been the day after we actually had a static fire from starship uh ship 20 which was the first time in several months we've seen uh, any sort of testing come from it so <laughs> it's back on the podcast here as a welcome like starship is back uh, starship development news is kind of back they didn't just do one they did two and they just do one on like a normal engine like we've seen before it was on a raptor a vacuum raptor engine so the those are the you know, much larger chamber um, used for more efficiency while up in the higher atmosphere so this was relatively significant um uh, m- a milestone for the development of that engine since we've only seen test firings happen at their McGregor site, their R&D devel- uh, facility. Not just was it of the vacuum engine, not just was it two static fires, but the second static fire was on two engines. <laughs> yeah, so they did a double engine, which, again, we've seen triple engine static fires before, before flights, but, you know, it, it was really cool to get see them within about an hour or so of each other, to go from an engine, there was an abort in there somewhere, as well as then a another static fire, which was pretty quick. Um, last time they did dual, you know, they did three engine fires on one of the flight um, test articles, which uh, ended up delaying it further. But they did three, and it took several hours between the between them. So, yeah, uh, it was a pretty cool moment to see that we're kind of back into this testing phase. We're still very far away from an orbital launch, so this doesn't really mean that we're going to see an orbital launch. What I think Elon has said next week, I was like next month. Uh, not, I don't think that we're anywhere close to that happening anywhere time soon. They don't even have approval for it. That's one thing Elon said: pending regulatory approval, which is always a big, you know, if that you know, when that happens. So, yeah, it was cool to see that this is back. Like Starship is back in action. I think we might see some more test fires coming up from either Starship or uh, from the Super Heavy Booster. Yeah. That's the solid Starship news this week. But there's so, there's more. Do you want to talk about um, what happened? 
Yeah, I, I I can talk about I can talk about it. Um, so many of you may have seen an article uh, that we put out yesterday. Improvements coming to SpaceX launch pad to hint at big things coming to SLC 40. Um, so I'm going to start by talking about what's solid. And then I'm going to go back to uh, a little bit more of the speculation and reasoning for that while staying very careful. Um, so the thing that is, yeah, definite. So uh, two days ago, uh, it was on the 25th. SpaceX filed a permit application for a new water drainage setup at SLC 40, which is, of course, their Falcon 9 launch pad at Cape Canaveral Space Force Station. So in it, um, basically, the main changes are a couple different ways that water would flow. And then some of the areas where previously there were permeable surfaces, so like grass, it's now an impermeable surface, so the water cannot sink through the soil there. So it's like concrete or other structures that are there. And so it's basically, uh, there's a significant amount of area that is was made into these uh, impervious surfaces. Um, and that's what's solid. It could mean more changes coming to SLC 40. Uh, and that could be various things. Um, could just be general uh, improvements to the pad, water management, addressing environmental concerns. But we did have um, a couple weeks back, there was a source that recommended we keep our eye on permits for the launch pad um, for things related to Starship. Uh, and so they notified us that things could be coming. Um, and so this is the first permit that SpaceX has filed in that area since then. Now, is this directly Starship related? Do they mention Starship? No, they do not mention Starship in this application here. Um, this stuff, it's uh, definitely more general. It's not like they are just covering those areas in concrete. This is like a proposed application, so it could come in stages over time. Um, and um, yeah, <laughs> so they're yeah. just addressing in general, why perhaps Starship might be preferable at SLC 40. Now there are, there is, we've gotten a lot of feedback on this article, believe me. Um, some <laughs> of it valid, uh, pointing out, uh, our minimal connection between the drainage plan and Starship other of it, uh, less so, um, so why might Starship come to SLC 40? Uh, so we know that SpaceX wants to be able to launch more. They want to launch from Florida. They previously had been working on a Starship launch site in 39A. So they stopped production. They stopped their work there, like the beginning of 2020, um, it's basically sat vacant. They haven't done any development here, and we don't expect them to do any Starship development here. 
but um, they could potentially, once it's operational, be doing launches out of here. That could be useful for when they're doing the lunar missions, when they need to launch their uh, in-orbit refueling starship, those tanker starships. They need a couple of those to launch in order to support a lunar landing. And so it would absolutely be helpful having multiple launch sites so that they can get those off in quicker succession. They could potentially increase uh, launch cadence overall. Um, So why wouldn't it go to 39A? Um, So there are a couple reasons why perhaps 39A, despite its larger size, might not be preferable. But they relate back to 39A being... SpaceX's crew pad for Falcon 9. Uh, 39A already... 39A is SpaceX's only pad that can launch a crewed Dragon... a crewed Dragon mission to the ISS. SpaceX isn't going to want to give that up, obviously. And I think it's safe to assume they wouldn't want to risk any... They wouldn't want to create any adverse risk to that pad that could impact crude launches, be it tourism launches, launches for NASA, they wouldn't want to impact that. And especially with Starship, with super heavy boosters seemingly going to this rather risky catch method, that could propose, that could create a very high risk for whatever area it goes at. There's a reason they're not trying to catch the very first orbital attempt and they are doing the soft splashdowns. Um, so basically they would want to keep that risk isolated away from the pad because 39A can support any mission that 40 can, but the other is not true. Um, I think this is a relatively, it's yeah, definitely makes sense for it to go to the 41st. I think some um, criticism came from, like, how would they even get Starship to there? There's, listen, that was a valid statement down in Boca Chica. Like, they have a road. The road. Uh, we've driven down those roads, uh, you know, for press uh, events. There there might be, you know, maybe there's some work that needs to be evolved, but there needs to be work on the roads, you know, maybe in general. So, uh, area-wise, size-wise, I know we actually did, um, we actually looked into the size of the launch uh, pad area of Starbase and compare to the 40. And it's actually pretty close, right? Yeah, I, I plan on, I, so I plan on actually sharing uh, some of the overlays I made uh, today. But yeah, so you, you overlay it. And thinking about the launch area at Starbase, don't worry, TJ, we will bring you in after this uh, for a much longer discussion. Um, but so looking at the launch area down in, in Starbase, so they're, they're having two suborbital pads, two orbital pads, and that area isn't too far off the size of 40. So there is the possibility that, I mean, they'd obviously need to make improvements with tanks and everything, but there is the possibility that that could be a thing. And I'm not saying yeah. anything too solid there. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I, I wanted to, <laughs> yeah. And, and then- transportation can clearly be worked out. That's something that so, SpaceX is able to handle. They ship Falcon 9s across the U.S. Starship, obviously, a lot bigger. Um, they'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. 
definitely it was a it was a um, great great to have the uh, get get a little tip um, looking into it. So the having Starbase, you know, not yeah, Starbase, I, and I owe, I owe massive, I owe massive massive thank you to Jared for actually finding that document so yes. quickly. Yeah, uh, it was a great team after effort. it was released. Yep. Um, yes, Star- Starship absolutely. coming over to Florida. I mean, it's, it's uh, is this in, um, happening in how many other locations are available over in Florida? I mean, they really, it's 39A, 40, possibly looking at maybe a different pad um, that, that's laid vacant, which is totally a possibility still. I think nothing is um, off the table right now for Starship. Uh, yes. And uh, so some of the feedback uh, that was brought up about the article was that while well, SpaceX already considered uh, Slick 40 and uh, 4 out in Vandenberg and basically rolled it out immediately. Um, so some of their reasoning for that stuff was like the inability for the frequent launch cadence during the testing. And so this was all basically SpaceX, their pace of development is so rapid uh, I think their Starship plans from 2019, I don't want to say can be ignored, but every single thing in there should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, because there are so many options. We've seen lots of changes with Starship. We're going to continue to see changes with Starship. And the difference between supporting the uh testing and development program of a rocket and the operational phase of a rocket. They are very different. Yeah. There, there's just so much has changed and so much is we're getting to the point where probably less and less is going to start changing because we're getting to a pretty solid designed rocket. Um, but it, so much has changed since then, uh, is that anything is on the tables for, um, for future placement of Starship once, uh, it's operational and they want to expand their uh, their launch capabilities um, to to other sites, which most importantly would be um, Florida. And uh, to be honest, California, I mean, maybe, but uh, since they can launch polar from Florida. Yeah, one of the extra things that they mentioned with the California sites, um, one of the oh. other things, one of the other obstacles out with California was the inability to launch into all the orbits they wanted. So that's why yeah. I think it yeah. would definitely be it's fair such a for very it to be specific, first. It's just a very specific spaceport that, um, I mean, there's already very little launches coming from it that it just uh, moving to Florida for, I mean, is probably going to be where they're going to move to and probably stay until they start doing um, additions for point to point whenever that happens, if that still happens. So. Anything else you want to add about about Starship before yeah. we we hop off the recorded part of the podcast and move to the Q and A? I think it's wise for me to keep my mouth shut. Okay, awesome. So, for <laughs> um, everyone listening, this, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. For everyone listening to the recorded podcast, thank you so much for listening. For those who do not know, we also do this podcast live on Twitter Spaces. So go ahead and follow uh, the Space Explored. Twitter account. You can also follow me at Derek is wise on Twitter. That's all one word at D E R E K I S W I S E. And you can follow Seth Kurkowski at Seth Kirk. That's S E T H K U R K. You can listen to us on all major streaming platforms, uh, as well as on our website, uh, if you choose so. And so thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll get you
you guys all next week.